Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 83 of NASCAR Radio, where trading cards and racing meet. I'm your pal Val, with me is the man, the myth, the legend, PSA Hall of Famer, King NASCAR Logan. How are you? I am feeling prismatic tonight. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And then Jason's going to try to join us, but we will uh, see. So we'll continue on without him. We'll see if he can join. We've got a great show for everybody today. We're going to recap the clash in LA, the race, NASCAR news. We're going to talk Jeff Gordon, top 10 cards. We're going to cover subject of grading. If you ever thought about grading your cards, uh, some tips, tricks, and uh, a couple of options. And then we'll finish up with some uh, eBay auctions uh, of interest. Oh, and then also did the Beckett Live with Eric Norton, which was a lot of fun. So if you haven't uh, checked that out, you might want to check that out. It was, um, I think it was a really good show. So a lot of information. Yep. And you'll get to see all of our smiling faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we should be going to video here in the next few weeks. So I guess this is just a preview. Uh, prepare everybody what we look like. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, let's get into it. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to sp- thank our sponsor, Panini America, and then our Olympic sponsors, uh, Sandy's Bay Billiards Club and Mama's Coffee House. Oh, I love Mama's Coffee House. Mm-hmm. Good place to watch the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And again, while you're listening to the show, if you will uh, hit the like button or share the episode, we appreciate it. Help others find the show. And again, thank you, everybody, for spending time with us this week. We appreciate it. Uh, we kind of have, uh, I guess, no races this week. But last week, we had the 2022 Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. Oh, before we do that, though, let's get into our... Oh, no, we're doing a recap, right? Then the news. <laughs> I can't even read my own notes. And it... <laughs> yeah. So the 2022 Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum, that was Sunday, February 6th at Los Angeles Coliseum. That's interesting to see, you know, see that in Los Angeles, California. That was 150 laps. Joey Logano outlasted to win that. Uh, he led 35 laps. That was kind of interesting. You know, quarter mile uh, really couldn't get up to, you know, that fast without having to uh, break. So I think it was a... Uh, a lot of heated tempers, I think, in the little fishbowl there. Yeah, it was. Um, and th- I think this was the first time in like 50 years that NASCAR has run on a quarter mile track. So, of course, it's going to have low speeds and everything. But it was, a, to me, it was a great race. I enjoyed it. And I'm sure new viewers to NASCAR enjoyed it as well. It, it was really fun. It had a different kind of feel to it where they stopped the race for a little mid concert there. And, you know, and watching the beginning and the introductions and stuff, pre concert with Pitbull, the halftime, I guess, concert with LL, I guess it was LL Cool J. Or no, it was Ice Cube. I'm sorry. So it was definitely different than the normal, normal race. And of course, you know, it's a non points race. So it's all the pride. And I guess it was like $2 million for Joey. 
Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, it. they said it was entertaining. I said, well, that's what it was meant to be was entertaining. And if you were entertained, then it was a success. Right. And NASCAR has been, you know, changing stuff up and we've talked about it before on the shows the last couple of years. So, you know, kudos for them for trying something new to see. And I would imagine, I think they had the option to do this for another few years. if They wanted to pick up that option. So. Yeah, they've got 90 days from what I understand to do that. So I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah, so Joey Logano, our winner. And we've talked about Joey Logano's cards before. He's in 2008. He He's one of these drivers where he had lots of autographs before he had any base cards. So really 2008 is all signings from... Press Pass, and then also he was in Press Pass Legends. You know, he had the four printing plates, and then there was a blue version numbered to 125, and then the blue inscription, which this is epic now, right? So this is 2008. It's been a while. Sliced bread, serial number to 10. That's epic. Yeah, that's that's the nickname that Mark Martin gave him back when he was still running in uh, Xfinity Series. And even Mark Martin said back then that even when he was younger and coming up that Joey Logano had enough talent to where he could probably beat half the field in cup. That's how strongly Mark Martin felt about him. It's interesting. You know, you say that, but at Joe Gibbs, I don't think he had the success that they, everybody was expecting. Right. And so he ended up leaving Gibbs and, and going to Penske and then uh, had a lot of success. So, you know, sometimes you have to find kind of the right mix blend or whatever maybe mature or whatever it was, but he's definitely hitting on all cinders, cylinders now at Penske. Yeah. You know, they brought Joey Logano in to cup when Tony Stewart moved over to Stewart, you know, to form Stewart Haas. And he, and I think they might have brought him up just a little bit too early, but you know, he did win. He did win his first race. It was a, a road course. It was a uh, rain delay or a rain, rain shortened race that he won. I think it was in New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, then finishing up real quick, the 2008 Wheels American Thunder. And there's the insert campaign trail and delegates. That's another insert. So he's got two inserts there. And then he's a trackside treasuries. Those are the ones that look like money. And there's a few versions that you have the unnumbered number to 25 and the printing plates. And then one thing of interest is the 2008 Press Pass VIP. They put a number zero in, and that's Joey Logano, and that's serial number to 499. I did get one of those signed. I thought that'd be pretty nice. So I guess there's 498. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got one that I'm going to send to PSA one of these days when the rates, the submission rates get lower. Yeah, I think that's definitely a um, good play that that card there. So. And then in 2009, he's everywhere. So lots and lots of rookie cards or cards, base cards with his rookie logo on it. So, yeah, he was in press pass. And then he was in the second series of press pass that year and had had cards in both. So he like 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 Val said, he was all over the place. Again, he was sliced bread. So they they were definitely putting them everywhere. But uh, so that's uh, Joey Logano. Like I said, no races this coming week, but uh, in two weeks, 
is going down at Daytona. So we'll recap those upcoming races next week uh, to prepare everybody. So this week, everybody just enjoy the Super Bowl. And then we'll come back next week and we will get ready for Daytona. Yeah, a couple quick notes on the Bush Light Clash. They had five lead changes among three drivers and only six cautions on that small of a track with, you know, it was kind of heated. You know, I was really surprised that there weren't any more cautions than there were, you know, especially in that those 150 laps. Although they were doing a lap about the same time, same time they do a lap at Bristol, but Bristol's twice the distance. So they were doing like laps in like 14 and some change. And I guess there were some sub some for some sub 14 laps as well. But the, the average speed of that race was only 39.029 miles per hour. So they, it's not like they were setting the world on fire. Yeah. But really only that many uh, cautions. I was impressed with that. Cause like I said, it, there's a lot of cars out there and there's a beating and banging. Yeah. So, you know, they had the next gen cars. And, you know, they're, you know, they've got composite bodies and everything. So those things were taking a beating and it's not like your regular sheet metal that we're used to. You know, we didn't have sheet metal coming in there and folding up and under the tires and causing tire rubs and tires to go flat and things like that. You know, they would hit each other and the composite body would just snap back. So I think that in itself really helped, you know, limit the cautions in this race. Yeah, I can't wait to Daytona with these cars. It's going to be. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know if y'all noticed during the race, but the cars have a little bit different sound to them as well. Uh, it doesn't have the, quite that deep throat, you know, sound that we're used to. They're, they're a little bit different, you know, higher pitch, uh, different sounding cars. So it's going to be interesting to see what how they sound like in Daytona. This is awesome. You know, we got Daytona coming up here. Then we'll have IndyCar and F1. So it's going to be it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. So, yep. Can't wait. Anything else for um, any facts, figures? What about the, so it seemed like it was very well received. And I, I think the numbers are out for TV that you had. Yeah. The uh, ratings for the, for TV, it averaged a 2.3 rating. So I don't know what 2.3 means. I don't know if it's 2.3 cats or 2.3 shrimp or whatever. But I anyway. think that's 2.3 million. Two, no, it's 2.3 rating. No, with 4.28 million viewers. Oh, okay. So, see, well, that's, so that's what I don't know. I don't know how they average this thing out and average with people watching each TV and you know who knows. But yeah, it was. Uh, they said it was the highest rating in viewership for this event since 2016. So you know, kudos to NASCAR. I think they got what they were looking for. I think it was well received and um, me happy about it. I like it. Yeah, that's why I think they're going to re-sign up for a few more years. So, Yep. Uh, anything else in uh, NASCAR news? Well, if we want to move over to news, I do have a few things on new in the news. Uh, this year, there's going to be 11 drivers competing for the 2022 Sunoco Rookie of the Year across all of NASCAR's three national series. Uh, in the Cup Series, we're going to have Austin Sendrick, Harrison Burton and Todd Gilliland. And in Xfinity, we're going to have Sheldon Creed. We like Sheldon Creed, Austin Hill, and somebody I'm not familiar with, Jesse Iwuji, I believe is how you pronounce his name. It's spelled I W U J I. 
So I'm not familiar with him, but I'm looking forward to see what he can do. So he's, I think, the serviceman, and I think Emmett Smith or somebody is helping help sponsor his team. And so I, I've heard him, and I've seen a few um, specials on him. So that's awesome that he's going to be running Xfinity. Oh, cool. I, 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 I'm definitely going to do some. We'll, yeah, we'll know more about him during the during the season. So, no doubt. And in trucks, we're going to have Jack Wood, Dean Thompson, Lawless Allen. Now, hold on just one second. I love that name, Lawless Allen. I've got, he's got to have some cards. All right, team, make some cards of this guy because I love that name. He's got a NASCAR name. He does, man. An old he, school NASCAR name, right? Yeah, he needs to wear a black hat. Lawless Allen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. We have to have to talk to the Panini guys. He definitely needs a card. So. Oh my God! Yeah, I, and we're and gonna have fun two, this season with that. <laughs> yeah, and the other two are going to be Corey Heim, who runs for Kyle Busch, and Blaine Perkins. So there are your eleven drivers competing for the Snoko Rookie of the Year. That's going to be it's going to be a good year. That's going to be cool. And if you're not familiar with NASCAR radio, so when we uh, recap the races, we'll cap the or recap the highest finishing driver and the highest finishing rookie. So that gives you an idea, you know, week after week, kind of keep an eye out for who's moving and who's shaking. And that's how we kind of found a tie freaking Gibbs. So so during the next season here, we'll be uh, keep an eye on all those rookies. So for you. Yeah, we'll have to see how these guys do as the season progresses. But uh, in the trucks, my money's on Lawless Allen. I love this guy already. Yeah. <laughs> Some other news, and this is more of a, on a personal note for Joey Logano. Joey and Brittany, Brittany Logano, they had their little baby girl on Tuesday, February 8th, and it's their third child. And they named her Amelia. And when Joey tweeted that, I... I kind of answered back and I said, you know, Joey, you can't spell Amelia without LA, you know, kind of looking back at him. He went in the uh, Ray, the, the uh, Bushlight clash in LA. He'll always remember that around her birthday. <laughs> yeah. So Joey Logano had a great week. Yeah, he did. So He's kudos, a good guy. Uh, kudos and congratulations to Joey and Brittany. Yeah. And we've we had dinner with him a few times. I was just getting ready to say that. Yeah, we've had dinner with him a couple of times at the Hall of Fame, and he's always a nice guy. I'll tell a really quick story. I know we're going to get sidetracked again, but <laughs> but but Val and I were sitting there uh, one night. You know, we, that night we were having dinner with them, and I, I had brought a bunch of 2009 Press Pass Joey Logano rookie cards, and uh, of course we're eating dinner and everything. I'm not going to do anything while he's eating, and he got done. At least it looked like he got done. I said, Joey, are you done eating? He said, Yeah. I said, all right, it's time to get to work. And I handed him a stack of 2009 press pass cards. <laughs> and he signed them all. He sure did. He didn't say a word. He just kind of dug in and started signing. <laughs> so we we had that. That was about, uh, I think it was the year he was engaged and then the year after he was married. Because the second year he was telling the story of how he lost his wedding ring on his honeymoon. So. I think there was kayaking or something like that but anyway yep. we get sidetracked yep all right i guess moving on <laughs> yep so but happy for uh the lugano so jeff gordon top 10 trading cards yeah this was i don't know that it was necessarily tough but it wasn't the easiest top 10 that we've worked on 
you know, because it's mainly because Jeff Gordon has come along since we've had, you know, mainstream nationally produced trading cards. It's not like, you know, Earnhardt or Petty where they've got STP or Uno or whatever. So this one was a little bit more challenging, you know, as he's, you know, he's all his cards for the most part are pretty much mainstream cards. Yeah. You know, talking about Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt, you, you know, like I said, going back away. So a few of those slots are filled up with some of those vintage, you know, classic, but Jeff Gordon was kind of right there during the junk wax era, you know, started with 91 tracks, but you know, he had the, the cards before that. And we've talked about those on show. I think it's show 40. That's the 1987 and 1988 world outlaws. But, you know, looking through the list and is also right there in the wheelhouse where Jeff Gordon was becoming very popular. And of course he was winning. So from, you know, 94 to the late nineties, you had all these manufacturers. So there was a bunch of cards. So, and we'll go through the list. It, it has a lot of offerings. Oh yeah. We've, we've got our top 10 and then I think Val's got some honorable mentions and I've got mine as well. Uh, but I, I'm going to go off on another little tangent again. Um, <laughs> Did you guys happen to see Jeff Gordon on the broadcast for the Bushlight Clash? I I thought at first he might have had a facelift or something, but I think that I think he I think uh, retirement is catching up with him. I think he may have gained a little bit of weight. He he looked a little looked a little pudgy. He didn't look like the same old Jeff Gordon I was used to. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying my, my wife came in and she's like, "Who is that?" And I'm like, "That's Jeff Gordon." And I left <laughs> I left that at that. <laughs> So, but yeah, she's, uh, you know, the long hair and, and the full face. So, yep. Looks like he's enjoying retirement. He's having a good time over at Hendrick Motorsports. Oh, I'm sure they're keeping him quite busy. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Lots to learn. But let's jump into it. Top 10, number 10. And this is number 10. So, you know, the other nine got to be epic. So, number 10, 2000 SP Authentic Sign of the Times, Jeff Gordon. This is, if you remember, we talked about the Dale Hearn. This is that all-white card from the 2000 SP, Sign of the Times. A lot of white real estate to, to showcase that nice, beautiful signature. Yeah, I love that card. I mean, we've talked about it uh, before, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way late into the ball game. I would love to try to collect that whole set of autographs, but it's going to get kind of pricey now. But that... Jeff Gordon autograph. It's, it's, it's an iconic card. When, when you see that card, you fall in love with it because it's such a beautiful signature and you don't really see a lot of those pop up on eBay either. So the people that have got them are, are keeping them and they're not out there. So it's a 2000 SP product. So it's not necessarily overprinted. I don't think you hardly ever see wax boxes anymore and you really don't see a lot of it. To your point, you know, sign of times, not even, you know, all the other drivers because Dick Trickle's in there and he's the one, he's one of the ones that I try to get. And then Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, and of course, Jimmy Johnson. So there's a lot of great drivers. Bill Elliott, just like to your point, you just don't see him. So the best thing might be to uh, save up a few thousand and then try to buy the whole set if somebody lists it. So you might get a better <laughs> deal that way, but it's, it's a lot of money, but they're beautiful. So. Uh, I'm going to take number nine, the number, number nine, 1988 World of Outlaws, Jeff Gordon, number 54, 
but black ink on the back, not the red ink. Uh, if you listen to show 40, because I won't spoil it for you, but uh, it was from the, I think it's Racing Collectibles article back in early um, 1990. They mentioned that the printer that printed these sheets and then cut them up and then they saved, I think it was, I don't know, a few uh, 200 sheets or whatever. But somewhere in the print run, they ran out of red ink, didn't tell anybody, used black ink and finished the print run. And then Go the printer, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. And so the printer didn't even know about it. I mean, not the printer, the guy who, you know, uh, who commissioned that didn't even know about it. So until after the fact, but <laughs> they are uh, kind of tough. So uh, I thought that would be one to kind of keep an eye out at a show. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm always looking for that. You just don't see it. Didn't you think there was only like maybe a hundred or so of those Val, or was it, did, am I wrong on that? I don't remember. So I can't, you know, without going back and look, or I think there were 200 sheets that were saved. And so those were all black back. So it happened before that. So it, it was somewhere in the run, but you know, whenever I, I look on eBay, uh, I've been seeing the red backs. I, when I, when I purchased my first sets, I didn't know any better, but I got black backs. And then uh, I think I've had them autographed or whatever. So I have to go look in my archive to see what I have, but they're tough. So yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of the 1952 tops baseball where they have the red back and the, the solid black back kind of similar to that. Oh yeah. Okay. You want to take number eight or I'll take eight. Uh, I can do number eight. It's the 1994 Tracks Premium Autograph Jeff Gordon uh, A-4. That's a, a really iconic card. And Jeff did a good job signing those cards. So they're very, very desirable, very beautiful cards. Um, I picked one up at the Dallas show back in, when we go, May? Was yeah, it, back it was May. May? And um, I got it for a reasonable price. I was happy with it, but uh, they're kind of hard to find, but I mean, you can still, you know, get them on eBay. And, and I think for the most part, they're reasonable, but I think during this, uh, all this craziness with COVID has made them go up in price. So it may be a little bit, you may have to pay a little bit more money for them, but they're out there. So one thing to note about this, this is, you know, he signed it and he's DuPont and, you know, Rainbow Warrior if I remember right, as opposed to his first auto where he's not, he's, you know. Yeah, he's forward. with the Carolina Ford dealers with the Bush series. Right. So, yeah, it's, it is different. So this would be, you know, one of his earlier Rainbow Warrior autograph cards. And it's, and it's got a picture of him with the card. It's kind of similar to the 92 tracks, which we'll talk about. But it's it's a beautiful card. Uh I think I've got one graded. I don't remember, but it's 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 a keeper. So if you find one and, and you haven't got one, I mean, I'd, I'd definitely pounce on it. You want number seven? Yeah, I'll do number seven. Uh, all right, that's the 2019 Donruss Fox Sports Announcers, Jeff Gordon. And those sets were limited to a 200-set print run. So they are extremely difficult to find you know it's got jeff gordon in his suit you know with his mic and you know it's got other people like mike joy and larry mcreynolds and you know there's several you know it's all the fox announcers that, that you know and love 
and it was given out at tracks uh, via, I think, mostly Twitter. Uh, you would go out there, and you know, they would be tweeting stuff, and they would be doing live, you know, going live and doing broadcasts, and you would have to hashtag a certain hashtag for whatever was going on that week, and then you could get in this drawing to win a set. And I know I tried every week to get one of those sets, and I had no luck whatsoever. But I do know somebody who did have some luck, and he is my best friend <laughs> <laughs> talking talking with me tonight. So I'm going to let him talk about that. Yeah, so I did a little research on this. And, yeah, to your point, this is one of those side projects that Panini had done, created 200 of these sets to give to the Fox announcers. And I think they were dispersed, distributed however they wanted to. And to your point, I think – you know, they took some and they went to some of the different tracks or personalities. I know like Michael Walter pad who's in the set, Jeff Gordon on one of his shows, his podcast, and you could tweet in uh, questions and they were giving a few of those out for folks who uh, they read the question on. And they said, uh, Michael said that Jeff would sign the, his card or whatever for them. So don't really know they you know with the 200 print run you think that sounds like a lot but you know you, i'm sure each one of the 12 got a handful if not a few more and you know they're probably in people's desks <laughs> uh at fox sports so uh they rarely i don't think i've ever seen a one on the second hand market but uh, yeah i was lucky enough to get one from Charlotte motor speedway uh they had a thing where i had tweeted them so and then i contacted Panini to find out more about it. And that's where I found out about the print run of 200. So yeah, I think actually it helped pave the way, open the door for Jeff Gordon uh, to get signed by Panini. So that was kudos to Panini for, for that. So, yeah, that was the point I was getting ready to make. That's a good call. You were reading my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's what Tracy, we had, uh, I think Tracy on the hobby hotline and he kind of hinted that, um, <laughs> I guess, some of those internal divisions in Panini were like, you know, how'd you do that? You're not supposed to, you know, to do that. We're like, well, you know, he was, um, it wasn't in a uniform. It was as a Fox announcer and they got it through. So. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say this. I, I have a saved eBay search for this very set. And it's like Val said, I have never seen one on the secondhand market. I think a lot of the people that got these that want them, we're probably not collectors. And it's like what you said, Val, they're probably sitting in somebody's desk somewhere, or they've either gone into the trash can or, you know, God only knows where they are. But I think that's part of the reason why we're not seeing any of these cards you know, pop up on eBay. Yeah. With no pricing, you know, if you have it, you don't know what to sell it for. So, you know, it's not like, okay, um, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but you know, like Richard Petty, 72 STPs, if they were going for a thousand, two thousand, it's like, Oh, I think I got one of those. I'll, you know, I'll put it out for sale and you know, there's more for sale, but without any of them to test the waters or to show other people like who have them, Oh, well I can get this much for it or, or whatever that they're just not coming out. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of scares me a little bit, but you know, it, it makes them all that much scarcer. Yeah, so it's almost going to be, what, four years? So the, they came out in 2019 around Donruss timeline, you know, with Daytona in 2021 and 22. So, wow, time flies. 
Yeah, I will say this. If anybody out there has got one and is looking to sell, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> so I'll take uh, number six. Number six, 2021 Panini Prism Jeff Gordon Color Blast. And that's the super, super short print. So it's a pretty card, you know, Color Blast. And like we talked about, Jeff Gordon being reintroduced and having a card and then what better way to, you know, have the short print color blast. So that's definitely one for uh, the collection. Yeah. And, and on that note, believe it or not, I'm just going to kind of skip real quick down to my eBay list. There was one of them that ended on the 9th of February and it went for $204 and 50 cents with 17 bids. So just to kind of throw that in there. That's not bad. No, I think that's actually a, a very good price. It's I said it before. There's so many things out there on eBay that I miss that I <laughs> I look at and go, oh, crap, man. I, uh, that was such a great deal. Why didn't I see that? But, you know, you can't buy You can't see everything and you can't buy everything. This is true, right? It's There's a lot out there and a lot going on. And, and everybody's like, you know, looking at one thing or whatever and have all these searches. But, yeah. So I think Color Blast, I think that long term, that's going to be a great great card for uh, Jeff Gordon collectors. Mm -hmm. uh, number five, 1996 press pass M force first year of relics. And this is metallic force sheet metal number M five. So this has got uh, like almost a acrylic card and it's got maybe a two inch by half inch or maybe it's an inch by half inch piece of sheet metal encased so one of the earlier relics and again sheet metal from the rainbow warrior yeah i would love to see how they made those cars because you know they're clear and they have that like i said they have that sheet metal embedded in that car and then of course they've got the printing and everything on top of that so i bet the process of that because you really didn't see anything like that ever again uh i bet that process was expensive but it's it is really cool and you do see these things on ebay and they're out there. So, you know, for us, like I said, that's a that's a top five card for us. Yeah, I love those M4s. All right. You want to do I'll do number four. Number four is the 1996 Press Pass Burning Rubber number BR2, Jeff Gordon's car. Now, as we all know, 1996 was the very first ever in any sport memorabilia cards and this was the very first memorabilia card set the burning rubber so these cards are highly desirable and some of these cards like of jeff gordon dale earnhardt they can be very tough to find and when you do find them they're going to command a, a pretty good price but it's a neat it's a neat card i, I love the way it looks it's got a piece of an actual piece, and I don't know how they shaved these these pieces. You know, that's, they they had their own technology of doing this. They shave a piece off and put it on the card. It's just it's just a it's just a beautiful card. It's got Jeff Gordon's car on it with a piece of the of the tire. So again, it's it's a highly collectible card. A lot of competition for that. Absolutely. Number three, the 1991 tracks number one Jeff Gordon. This is his, technically his first, if you go by Beckett, first mass-produced card available in packs and factory sets. Now, it's interesting 
is that he's card number one, and I'm I really can't haven't been able to find information, but it seems like he was an exclusive at the time because Max didn't touch him in '91, and this is really his only card in '91, and to be card number one, the boot. Yeah. Now there's some some things to talk about with this card. I mean, these boxes of of 91 tracks are are plentiful. You can find them out there. And again, with all the craziness of COVID, they've gone up in price, but they're still very reasonable to buy some boxes. But here's the thing. For whatever reason, and I don't know why, the I don't know if it's the way the packs have settled over the years or whatever, you're going to find these Jeff Gordon cards and the corners are are going to be it's almost like they were they were in a you know they were wrapped in um, shrink wrap or something and the corners are laid down just a little bit. You're going to see a lot of them like that for whatever reason. And not only that, it's a black border and it's very condition sensitive. So finding if you're wanting to get any of these cards graded, I can tell you firsthand. I have submitted a ton of these cards. I have a ton of nines. And I never was able to get a 10. I had to buy the one that's the 10 that I've got. So that should tell you something right there about these cards. They're they're nice looking cards, but condition is everything on these cards. And out of the pack, you'd think that they'd be, you know, squared up nice, you know, nice gloss, everything. They're not, they're not what you would think. And it could be the the wax box, because I think they just laid in there because it's like the shape of a car. They're not snug like on a four up kind of making a layer. I think it was the three and again, the, the black borders. So I think I've sent a few in. I, I don't know how the wax boxes run that I have. If I go out on YouTube, there was a box I opened. I think I pulled four or five Jeff Gordon's out of one box. Yeah. There's at least three to four, every box. And I if think you- I got, a, I think I got a few eights and maybe one or two nines. I think when I submitted those, but it's a fun rip. And I think you can find it for like 20 or $30. Again, it's, and like I was saying about him being exclusive because he was only running in the Bush slash Xfinity series. So it wasn't even in cup yet. He wouldn't hit cup until a few more years. So, you know, it's interesting that he's card number one. And then I don't know if we talked about it before, but stay away from the factory sets that are in the plastic where they're shrink wrapped like cello packs and then placed in the four holders and it looks beautiful but over time those cello packs are been pushed down in there and they've made dents into the card and jeff gordon is one of the ones facing the uh that's in the holder so he's going to be dented if you get those clear factory sets. Yeah. The, and those are glossy cards too. They're, they're different than the, the standard uh, hobby issue that, you know, they issued and you're right. Those, if you take those things out, the ones that are up on the front and on the back are going to be dented. It's just the way they did it. It's, it's kind of sad, but if you can find one without the dents, I think you're going to be doing good. <laughs> yeah the wax pack so that's um number three on our list all right i'll i'll do number two and i'll let you do number one okay all right number two 1992 tracks autograph series jeff gordon number a seven jeff gordon's very first autograph card 
again, it's got a picture of him in his Carolina Ford dealers suit. And it's got his autograph. There's a big space on there for the autograph. It's kind of like a bluish gray background. So it's a really, really nice card. And if you guys have listened to us before, you all know that the very first autograph card I ever pulled ever out of racing was this card. But at the time when I got it, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Who's this Jeff Gordon guy? Uh, you know, I, I was hoping for, you know, Petty and Earnhardt autograph. But, you know, over time, it's turned out to be okay. So I'm, I'm happy about it. But it is it is his first auto, and it's it's highly desirable. I I you know I think if if you're a NASCAR NASCAR card collector, this is a card you definitely have to have as part of your collection. Oh yeah, it's the early autograph of him and that that picture of him <laughs> with that mustache and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Not I know we're running late already, but. The the fact that I saw was that, you know, everybody knows that Jeff Gordon was running Ford at the time, and then he went to Chevy and Rick Hendrick. But so the rumor, I think it was, I don't know if it was Ray Abraham or who put this one out there a few years ago, is that they were going to go to Jack Roush. They were going to go, Jeff Gordon could have went to Roush, but Jeff Gordon demanded that Ray Abraham be his crew chief. And Jack Roush would not let the, a driver, especially a rookie driver, tell him who his crew chief, crew chief was going to be. And so what could have been? Yeah, I mean, we could have had a whole new uh, timeline history. <laughs> Maybe we need to get Doc Brown and, and Marty McFly to go <laughs> back and, and <laughs> see if they can change that. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting to hear some of these stories about, you know, change of fates or, or how things shook out so anyway and number one of our list is 1987 world of outlaws jeff gordon number 52 this is jeff gordon's first card this was available as a factory set again we we talk about it in show our show 40 where his little 16 year old jeff gordon with this this little wispy uh mustache there so yeah, that, that's a white-bordered card, and those cards are always pretty much well-centered, and they grade very well. So uh, if you get some of those and submit them, you have, a, I would say, a very good chance of getting a PSA 10. Yeah, they grade, grade pretty good, like you said. So uh, they're starting to dry up, or I can't remember what the sets are going for. I think the 1988s you can get like three for 100 or like $30-something a piece. And I think the 87s are kind of drying up. But then we have a few of our honorable mentions. I know we're already running late, but uh, is there anything in particular, one you want to – I know I have a few. Oh, I got one I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. 1999 Press Pass. Skid marks, number one, Jeff Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keeping the streak alive, huh? Keeping the streak alive, yeah, that's a cool card. I mean, it's got the it's got the tire dust embedded in the ink on the card. It's a cool card. So there you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Now I've got a few that I think if you're listening to the show and you take some notes, that these pop up, but because of time, people have forgotten about these and how rare they are. So I'm gonna break it down quickly. 1995 Optima. XL. They had a subset in there for Jeff Gordon is the JGXL and there's four of them, 1 to 4. 
and they got progressively harder to find. So number one, if this makes any sense, so number one was one per 18 packs. There were 36 packs to a box. So you got two per box, basically, on average. Number two was one per 36 packs. So basically one per box. And then you would go to number three. That was one per 216 packs. That's two per case. And then you got to number four. One per 864 packs or one per two cases. So the, the one to find is the JGXL number four. And where am I getting these stats? These are off of the sell sheet actually from the 1995 Press Pass Optima XL. So I've had this in my search and every once in a while they'll pop up. And like I said, they're super rare, but they pop up and folks you know, don't know that it's well, only one per two cases they see the what the other ones are going for or whatever. So there's an opportunity. So and again, that's probably why everybody's listening to the show. We hopefully throw these nuggets out there to help you when you run into some of these rare cards that people have forgotten. So the cards that time forgot. Yep. The more you know. Another one that I really like is the 1995 Max Medallion. So like 1994, just to recap, they had the one per case redemption for the 1988 Dale Earnhardt promo number to 999. So in 1995, the next year, Max Medallion, they produced a puzzle of Jeff Gordon. I think it was nine cards or six cards or whatever it was. But the key is they short printed puzzle piece number four. And what you did was once you had a complete puzzle, you could turn it in for a special eight by 10 signed card of what the puzzle looked like signed by Jeff Gordon and numbered at a 999. Yeah, so I never had much luck with those that year. Well, again, that puzzle piece, that number four, I'm sure is only one per case. So, you know, you, you were kind of destined to make the puzzle all but the one. Sounds like the play that uh, 33 Gowdy made back in the yep. day. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of as well. So, uh, I was able to find that eight by ten signed Jeff Gordon. I think for you know twenty thirty bucks. So I'm still looking for the puzzle piece number four, but they're out there. And then another one, real quick, is the 1997 School Board Racing IQ Jeff Gordon card set. And so there was five cards in this, and you could redeem the five card set for a collector's plaque autographed by Jeff Gordon. There was only three hundred available. So the card number five is the really hard one. That's in one in 1,200 packs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the 1997 scoreboard racing IQ Jeff Gordon card set. And again, it's card number five is the really tough one. Yeah. I got a couple more here that I'm going to talk about really, really quick. Uh, one of them is the 1999 upper deck road to the cup tires of Daytona autographed card. Number TS1. This is Jeff Gordon's very first autograph memorabilia card, and it's only out of 24. So imagine trying to find that bad boy. Good luck, but it's still a cool card that, like I said, especially since it's his first auto mem card. Uh, another one, kind of along the same lines, 
is 2002 Press Pass Optima race used lug nut autograph. And this would be his first press pass, not his first overall, but first press pass autograph memorabilia card. I don't know how plentiful those are. I haven't looked for one in a while, but I, I would think it's going to be a lot easier than the uh, Road to the Cup Tires of Daytona card. So those are a couple cool ones to find. And one more that I really like is the 1999 Wheels High Gear Flag Chasers card of Jeff Gordon. It's a die cut card. And it has different, you know, it, you can get a different flag. You can get a red flag, green flag, checker flag, blue flag, whatever, yellow flag. You know, they have all the different flavors of flags with those. But if you ever look at one of those, they're really, really neat because they're just very colorful. And they have all the flags off the side and the picture of Jeff Gordon in the middle. It's really, it's really a, a really, really nifty card to find. And one more that I want to mention, too, is the 1995 Zenith Helmets. Number three, Jeff Gordon. Of course, they had helmets for different drivers, you know, Ricky Rudd and, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt and, you know, a bunch of different drivers. But the Jeff Gordon, because of the rainbow and all that, uh, is just, it's a beautiful, beautiful card. And uh, shout out to my buddy Joe at uh, I Didn't Buy These. He collects those, and I saw his, and when I saw that, I thought, man, that's that's just an absolutely stunning card. Lots of Jeff Gordon cards again in that whole time frame. Jeff Gordon was doing great in that whole rivalry between him and Dale Earnhardt Sr. and uh, propelled both of them. And there are a lot of inserts, autographs, great things to chase for Jeff Gordon. Yeah. Uh, one more, real quick, is uh, his first hologram card. And of course, you know, it's going to be an upper deck, is the 1995 upper deck SP. Speed Merchants hologram number SM24, and we've all seen those cards. Those are those are really neat cards. They're holograms. I remember back in the day trying to chase all those. Uh, of course, now you can get them. They're they're reasonably priced, but you know back in the day they were you know they were highly sought after and and kind of tough to get. So I, I think that's that's all I, all I got that I think time's going to allow for us to do. <laughs> I got one more just to give an example. All right. Because there are a lot of Jeff Gordon stuff and and autographs and stuff. And so one of the ones that I like is also the 1994 high gear. That's serial numbered, uh, hand hand numbered up to, I think, 1500. And one of them just closed the other day for six dollars and thirty nine cents. So that's a you know real Jeff Gordon autograph. It's I think it's got the wheels crimp logo into it as well that they did in the high and that, so that's came from series one series two was mark martin but so you can get a jeff gordon auto for you know under 20 bucks if you do some digging wow that was a steal yep congrats whoever got that so we, i noticed from one of the groups somebody was asking about grading and getting cards graded and getting racing cards graded so i thought that would be something to talk about, especially with the PSA Hall of Famer here on the show. I've done a little bit of grading myself, but just in case folks are interested in that, right now might not be the best time to get grading. If you have a very expensive card, of course it would be, but if you're if NASCAR, it's probably cost prohibitive to get stuff graded right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, PSA right now, they've got some online limited events that they're doing 
for, I think it's economy at $50. So that's going to be the lowest you're going to get. I'm hoping that they will get down to under 20. I'm hoping that they actually get down to 15 before the end of the year. Uh, from what I've heard from Kevin Lenane, I think that's going to happen. So everybody stay tuned. So as far as when, you know, when the prices come down and you guys are ready to submit cards, I'll tell you a little bit about my experience and how I kind of handle these, uh, these submissions. First of all, you're going to need to join the PSA Collectors Club if you want to self-submit your own cards. And I don't know how much that is now. I haven't looked lately because, you know, my, I've had my, uh, I've had my membership for a long time and with COVID, it keeps getting extended. So I haven't had to pay for it in a while. I think I'll probably have to renew it at the national, but yeah, if you want to self-submit, you're going to have to, to join the club. And uh, there's, there's a lot of benefits to the club. There's going to be even more according to what I heard Kevin say the other day. So they're going to really make this collector's club membership something to, to really have and something that's going to uh, be, you know, worth worth the money that you're going to spend so anyway let's get into it real quick um the first thing that you're going to have to have is you're going to have to have some card saver ones to use to put your cards in to submit to to psa they don't like or don't want you to use any other uh kind of holders or anything other than the card saver ones because it's a flexible pouch it's easy for the the graders to to grab and pull the card out. It's not like a top loader where sometimes they get stuck and you're trying to, you know, fist bump and, put, you know, make them come out. And sometimes they might slide out and hit the floor. So they don't want that. So that's the reason that they want you to use card saver ones. So yeah, you got to have card saver ones. One, one, one thing right there. Um, yeah. So they don't want you to use like a penny sleeve and put it in a top loader because it'll rattle around, but uh, they do want it in the cards saver one, but I did see a video where the grader actually cut the corner, cut the ends off. So basically they could open up the card saver one uh, and pull it out without having to pull it out of the top out of the mouth. So, uh, cause people always ask, well, what do they do with all those extra card saver ones? Well, I think they get destroyed during the process, but. Yeah, I guess they get recycled and made into park benches. I don't know. Maybe, but continue. Sorry. Oh, no, no worries, man. Just, just, uh, you know, let me know if you want to, you know, just jump in anytime. All right. So after you have your card, I mean, you've already examined it. You, you want to get it graded. You put it in the, uh, card saver one, then you're going to go, you're going to go online and they, all the submission forms now are online. It used to be back in the day, you, they had the paper forms and you had to fill them out. Well, you know, they want you to do everything now online because that saves them time of having to type everything in once they get it. So, you know, now all they have to do is just verify what you're sending. So you, you'll go in and you'll have to pick whatever submission type you want. They have various submission types. You know, they've got just, just uh, grading the card or authenticating the card or authenticating the auto and grading the card. I mean, there are a myriad of different combinations of, of, you know, how you want to get it graded depending on what kind of card you got. So you'll pick, you'll pick that. You'll you'll uh, go in and, and enter your cards in there and like I said, submit your 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 grading level. Um, <clears throat> but after you've entered your cards in there, the next step that you need to do is you'll have all your cards stacked up, of course, with the card savers. 
what PSA likes you to do is to, to cut out a couple pieces of cardboard that's probably just a little bit bigger than the size of the card saver and have one on the top and one on the bottom, get you some rubber bands, and you secure them that way. And then after you've got them secured, what I like to do is I'll take them and I will put either some bubble wrap around them or you know some other packaging to keep them from moving around. And then I'll put them in a, a, a really huge box. Uh, I like the box to have plenty of room. I like to be able to pack it uh, to where the things don't shift around. And of course, you're going to have to print out your, your submission form and, and put that in there with your cards. And the big thing for me is once you have everything in a box, because sometimes what I like to do is, is, you know, I'll put a box in a box because we all know that, that things can get damaged going through UPS or, or the postal service or FedEx or whoever you send it with, you know, they recommend the postal service. But once I do that and I've got them in a box, I like to use that brown tape that's, you know, that's water activated that you can tape up the box with completely like for registered mail. Cause that way, when you do that, it's kind of like tamper resistant, you know, they, you can't, cut it and retape it with something because you know you can see that so that's kind of a security thing that i like to do with every single package that i send because in the past i used to not do that i just use clear tape with a box and i had one submission one time that i had three subs in there it got there and there was only two in the box so i, I highly recommend using that that brown water activated tape and cover the whole box like you would do for a registered mail and i still you know they say you can send them second day or however you want to send them but i still send every one of my packages to psa registered mail and if you're going to send registered you have to do use the the brown tape and all that but that way you know somebody has to handle it every step of the way you know especially after the fiasco i had with losing a sub you know in the mail somebody somebody somewhere cut cut my box open and took that so i highly recommend doing that and of course, then you just mail it off to PSA at that point. And uh, one of the things that they are doing these days that I like is when you print out your submission form and put it in the box, you can also print out a label that you can put on your box that when PSA gets it, they can scan it and they know automatically, okay, this is submission, whatever. And it just goes into their database and it's, it's you're ready to go. It's real quick for them. So I do like that feature that what they've done now. So after you print out your submission form, print out one of the one of those barcode scans for your box and put it on your box. But, you know, that's in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. The big thing is just to join the collectors club. Now, uh, there are other group submitters out there and there's a lot of reputable ones. I mean, we all have probably heard of uh, the Mark's card incident you know which was a group submitter which is making psa change the way they do group subs now but for the most part all of them are, are reputable i mean i've used a, uh, a few in the past myself so if you don't want to join the collector's club you can always go that route <laughs> yeah the other thing i was going to add is you know if you're not a psa person but you know the sgc beckett and psa those three are kind of the are the bigger brands of grading they all kind of are industry standard. I also use the brown, that water activated tape 
for my seams and stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll send it priority mail with tracking or with delivery confirmation, but then in the, on the seams or the, where the edges of the box or whatever, I'll use that, uh, water tape activated tape to seal that in and basically, like you say, create a, like a tamper resistant type seal. And I do like with the bar scan that when you print your submission, you're usually that helps if you have multiple submissions and say you have a collector's club or back in the day you had a collector's club and then you're doing like a, a bulk or a monthly special that the scan would be off of the, the new, the, the quickest turnaround. So it would be off the collector's club or whatever it is. So it got your box opened and cataloged sooner than if it was just like a monthly special And the collector's club in the past, they had, specials per month for different things i don't know when that comes back but you know baseball cards or or whatever it is from certain years to certain years and also autograph specials and then also they also grade and authenticate autographs and as a, a nascar autograph collector or seeker this is one of the things that I do, not necessarily the resell, but basically if I ever want to sell or whatever in the future that, uh, again, it's just a third, of, you know, third party opinion, but that whatever it is that was signed is kind of authentic. So, yeah. And, you know, adding on that, I mean, they also authenticate tickets. They also do authenticate uh, like type one photographs and things as well. So there's a lot of things that you can get done by PSA and have them authenticated. And, and like what Val and I do, you know, things we like to get our autographs encapsulated. It, you know, a, it, it, it <clears throat> tells the, the, any sellers that we might sell them to that it's authentic, but, but B it also protects the cards. And that's, that's just, uh, to me is just as important as, you know, anything else. I think, you know, it's a value-added service and not, you know, they do a good job. And like I said, with the encapsulation and other things, as well as the set registry and other things using PSA, Beckett, I think, has that as well. So I think if you stick to one of those three, uh, you're good. And what I usually do is I'm, if I'm going to grade, I'll make uh, a few passes over them, but I will put them in a penny sleeve and also slit the edges of the penny sleeve so that when you slide it in, uh, it goes in really well, and then put that in the card saver one. I'll put that in as a stack. I'll look under it under either a 10 or a 30 time magnifying glass at the corners, and then kind of separate them in, okay, this is maybe a 10 or this is a nine or whatever it is, and then I'll let it sit, and then I'll come back to it, you know, fresh eyes, new perspective or whatever, and then go through them again just to double check because you don't want to pay for the grading service especially now at the price that you want to make sure that you take the time to double triple check that the cards don't have any blemishes or whatever it is, unless you don't care and you just want it encapsulated. There's, you know, cases for that too. doesn't matter what it comes back. You just want it. Uh, there may be something so rare or whatever it is that it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I hope that helps. I mean, if any of you guys out there, have any questions or need any advice or want any more information, you know, please feel free to, to ping us on Twitter or, you know, send us an email or however you want to contact us. We'll be happy to, to help you guys. 
and uh, you know, give you any advice or answer any questions that you got. Yeah. So if you're a NASCAR or F1 or whatever it is, you know, re please reach out and let us know. We've, I think I started submitting back in late 2000s. So I know Logan's been submitting for a long time as well. Yeah. I started, my first submission was, and I, and I was a complete newbie. I had no clue what I was doing back in 2005. I went to the national and I told my son, I said, you know, Hey, I'm, thinking about submitting some cards to PSA. And he's like, why would you do that? And blah, blah, blah. But uh, I did make my first submission. I joined the collector's club and I had my, uh, I think it was 12 submissions. You could, you could sub at the national. So I did that. Uh, I was lucky enough to get 110, but you know, overall I didn't, I didn't know what to look for. You know, some, I noticed, you know, later on that, you know, my cards weren't centered and that was a big thing. And, you know, there, there's just a lot of things to look for when you submit a card. So, you know, like I said, hit us up. We're, we're here to help and, and more than happy to help. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, like I said, the, uh, get a loop or magnifying glass 10 or 30 time. Also, I hear that PSA uses it, but I don't have use a black light to see, you know, for scratches and other stuff. And also if anything's been like recolored in, you know, again, PSA getting a PSA 10 is hard and there's a reason for that. So, yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. And the centering, there's all kinds of, and then PSA has different examples of stuff. And one person once told me, or I read on the PSA message boards, there's a lot of good information out there as well, but that if you're interested in something or a certain set, maybe buy a few, like a nine or a 10 or, a, a, you know, six or seven or eight or nine, and then look at those different ones and see what the differences are. And you can kind of tell what PSA is looking for uh, to kind of give you an idea before you spend a lot of money uh, in grading fees, especially now. I mean, when we started, I think it was five or six dollars for bulk. And now I think the last one I had done was like eleven dollars for bulk. So. Yeah, and and we're hoping that it gets somewhere close to that before it's all said and done. I know that that's a priority with PSA because, you know, they're, as you said before, Val, the PSA set registry is their secret sauce to keep people grading things and, you know, grading more obscure things to compete in the registry. So in order for that to happen, they're going to have to have some lower prices. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise they'll start losing collectors. So, mm -hmm. so but yeah, if you want to check them out, go to uh, PSACard.com. And uh, you can start there. And like I said, we're, we're here to help. Yeah. If you're interested in SGC or Beckett or anything like that, you know, we're not just totally PSA. So uh, until they are sponsoring the show, <laughs> we're, we're equal opportunity grader. So well, I'm going to ask Steve Sloan if he'll sponsor the show. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, and then I think our last segment of eBay, I know we're uh, past the hour mark. No surprise. That's what we get with Jason leaves us two alone. So, yeah. All right, so eBay. You want me to start? Yeah, start with that uh, 1983 card we were talking about. Yeah, so we had talked or covered about a 1983 Uno, Dale Earnhardt Sr., SGC 88 by Probstein. Well, it's back for whatever reason. So that auction is back live again. So we will see. I don't know what the deal was with the first auction, but um, so I don't know to either beware or maybe you can get a good deal. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a very hard card to find. I, I think the price it went for was, what, $1,300? No, that was 580 something I think. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the wrong thing. You're thinking of PSA 9, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's, that's what I was thinking about. So, yeah, you can't go wrong with that card, so check it out. All right, uh, some of the other things I've got, uh, they all ended on the 8th of February, and these are all Jimmy Johnson cards. Uh, and they were lots and I thought about bidding on these and honestly, I forgot <laughs> <laughs> life got in the way and, and I just, I just freaking forgot about it. But anyway, oh, I said eighth, actually it's the seventh, uh, my bad. Anyway, these, uh, there were three different lots. The first lot was 2000 SP authentic performance cards out of 2000 Jimmy Johnson. And it's his rookie card. Uh, there was a lot of six of those, and it went for $179.49 with 18 bids. Now, we've talked about these cards, I think, before. They're hard to find, uh, and they only made 2,000 of them. They're numbered, and it's it's got Jimmy Johnson standing up. I think it's got kind of like a bluish background, but those cards, to me, are kind of reminiscent of maybe a, a numbered Tom Brady rookie card. Uh, they're kind of cool. So whoever got these, I think they actually got a, a good price. I mean, what do you think about that, Val? No, I, I definitely think, you know, that because of the 2000 SP, right? And Tom Brady's rookie is 2000 SP, even though the Tom Brady is numbered to like 1250 or something like that. But to your point, I've opened uh, in the last, I don't know, five, eight years, I think two of these 2000 SP boxes. And I have never gotten one of these performance numbered out of 2000 the other lot that was there was the card number 39 and that's kind of you know you get one or two per sp hobby box but the numbered one is more of a short print so for 179 dollars, i think for the six i think you're right I, uh you know looking back you know we're talking about seven time here and for a rare card because we had talked about on the jimmy johnson show that we did that, you know, everybody kind of thinks of the card number 39 as his rookie because the other one is, or I guess whatever, um, I can't remember what his number, the card number is, but that lower number that's is is more readily available. And so people just assume that's a tricky card. The other one is uh, more rare and not everybody gets to see that. So I guess they don't realize that that's a short print and a rookie card. Yep. So, you know, I generally think those cards are at least $50 cards. So times six, I mean, what is that? That's 300, $300. So 179.49 is, you know, I think they did well. Yeah. And then these are ungraded. So depending on the corners on the stuff, it could be a multiplier if they get some good grades. So exactly. Cause I would, if I bought those, I would definitely send them all in for grading. The other lot from the same seller was uh 2000 upper deck SP. Authentic, just the regular SP authentic Jimmy Johnson card number 39. There was a lot of nine of those, and they went for $152.50 with 31 bids. So, again, I don't think that was a bad price. I think it was probably about the right price for those, but you can't go wrong with Jimmy Johnson. I think he's very underrated right now. And I think over time, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, had sour grapes with him. 
with winning all the championships and things and tying Earnhardt and Petty and all that. So, but I think as time goes on, I think you're going to find out that there's going to be a greater appreciation for him and, you know, getting in. I don't, I, I'm not going to say this is early, but it's still, in my opinion, kind of early. So I think you're going to do well. The other lot from the same seller, they had three lots, was 2000 Max Racing, Jimmy Johnson, number 38. And there was a lot of seven of those. And they went for $89 with 10 bids. So somebody got a really good deal on that, I think. Because I know those cards are, are going to go for, for more than that. I mean, that's what, about $12 or so, $13 a card. That's that's a good price. And I looked at those. They looked like they were in good shape. So I think somebody got a good deal on that one. What do you, what do you think about that, Val? No, I would agree with that. Because going back to the 2000 uh, lower number, those were about $17 a piece for the lot of nine. And then the 2000 other Jimmy Johnson's, like you said, I don't, I think he was dominating so long and a lot of people kind of soured on him, but as time goes on and people kind of realize what he's accomplished, I, you know, you know, he's in a whole nother boat from everybody other than Richard Petty and Dale Hart senior. So when you look at championships and being in 2000, that was the last year for upper deck, you know, cause then it went to pretty much press pass and wheels. Yep that you know these are tough and you don't see these wax boxes it's not like you know if you wanted bought wax boxes of 2000 sp authentic for tom brady you can find them they had them at the national uh for a few thousand or hundreds of dollars a piece i have not seen any 2000 sp authentic racing wax boxes mm -mm. so you're you're not to get a you know, a group of six of these short prints. Like I said, I've opened two boxes. I didn't get any, uh, you know, to have six in one lot or nine of the other ones. You know, I told you you got one or two a box. So there's quite a bit of a cluster right there to to get that, you know, economies of scale or whatever to get them at a, a good deal and then either to break them up or grade or whatever. So mm -hmm. I think there's good. Yeah. I mean, think about it. if you're trying to buy up six or nine of these individually and then shipping on each one of them, it'll definitely be more than what they paid. So. Absolutely. And, you know, this will all be good until top freaking Gibbs wins eight championships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, something else I saw out there. This also closed on the 7th of February, 2009 sports illustrated SI for kids. Lewis Hamilton, rookie card, number 360. There was a lot of five of these cards. You just don't see these cards. I mean, you know they're out there, but you just don't see them. A lot of five went for uh, $1,487.01 with wow. 38 bids. My gosh, that is unreal for five cards from Sport Sports Illustrated for Kids. That's that's uh, good money for those. Man, that is. <laughs> and in the same breath, there were uh, 2015 Sports Illustrated SI for Kids, Lewis Hamilton. They say rookie card, but that's really not his rookie card. Uh, but there was a lot of two of those that went for $113.50 just for two of those with 24 bids. So uh, Lewis Hamilton market is still red hot. And it's getting ready to heat up again. Yeah, here in when they start March. Yeah, yep. Start next month. 
yeah, it's going to heat up again. Um, some of the other things I saw out there, uh, there was a 1972 STP card. That's all the, that's all the description said, but I didn't have to, to look it up. It was charging Charlie Glotz back. And it, it sold, it, it would look like it was in really good shape. It had gloss and the corners looked fairly good. Uh, it sold for 120, I mean, excuse me, $112 and 50 cents with five bids. So I think that was actually a pretty good deal for the STP cards these days. Yeah. I think you can buy them in that hundred to $125 range raw for just the, you know, the regular cards, not, you know, not the Petty or the Allison or, you know, the Lorenzen's and things like that. But, you know, the other cards, if you can get them for that kind of price, uh, I think it's a good deal. And, you know, if I'm going to get an STP card, if I get one, I'm it's definitely going to PSA. Yeah, especially if they're in good shape, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yep. Um, well, Go ahead. Oh, there's one thing, Val, I don't know if you saw it or not. I definitely didn't see it. I think it must have gone really quick since it was a buy it now. It said the description said super rare 1989 winter circle Maurice Petty card binders. I did see them. They're empty binders. Yeah. For $150, buy it now. <clears throat> and they're sold? They sold. If wow. I had sold that, I might have I might have uh tried to buy it. Because you know, I've got you know, we both have uh some winter circle cards. It'd be nice to put some in a binder and have that you know, in a binder. I thought that would be really neat. So that was just an oddball thing that I saw that, you know, if I had seen it, I might've, I might've clicked on that. One that I've seen was, and again, you have to caution because this, I realized this is a Probstein auction here, but it was a 1988 Dale Earnhardt promo PSA 10 pack fresh. It closed on February 7th. For, with 47 bids for $1,381.96. Oh, yeah. I, that's in my list. I've got that. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. That's good. Um, yeah. So there was also another one from Medallion that sold on the 9th that went for $1,400. Buy it now. So that price is right in line with, with that. Very similar. All right. Uh, a couple other things, and, and, and we're going to let you guys go. I saw a Jimmy Johnson says, it says, here's the description, seven-time champ on card, number two of five autograph, green foil. I remember when they were handing those out at the National. $51 in two bids. All right, whoever out there got that, you did damn good because that's, <laughs> that's a great deal. So kudos to you. So. That was that was a good deal. And something else I saw too was on the third, Kyle Larson 2013 Rising Stars serial number 73 out of 125. This is the out of total memorabilia. Um, oh my gosh, I don't have the price on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me, it sold. It was I thought it was it was a good price. Uh, my bad. I I guess in my haste to to grab information, I missed that. Unless unless Val. While I'm talking, can look it up. I can look it up. Kyle Larson, 2013 Rising Stars. Uh, something else that I saw, too, was um, on the 8th, a 2021 Panini Prism Haley Deegan Color Blast card sold for $800. $800. It was best offer accepted. I think that they were wanting 
a thousand dollars or something like that for that card, but uh, it sold for an eight hundred dollar best offer accepted. Uh, so Haley Deegan is still on fire. The Kyle Larson that sold February third was one hundred and fifty dollars. Yep. Buy it now. Yep, and that's one of those autographs that Kyle Larson that it's kind of like a cut autograph. You know, it's in, it's in, in a little frame. Uh, you know, kind of like the cut autographs we see now. So it's it's a little bit different. And I like that card a lot. Uh, I wish I had one. But I think whoever bought that did good because I, I think Kyle Larson going forward is, you know, he's going to win multiple championships. This He's not done yet. As long as he's got the equipment underneath of him, he's going to keep winning. And we may see a repeat this coming year of what we saw last year. Yeah, he might repeat. And I think for now, that's all I got. Okay. Have you got anything? No. I think we're running over here again. So again, yeah, my gosh, I'm. We apologize, guys. We try to keep this thing. There's, there's just so much going on, and so much to talk about that it just seems like we keep running over. But uh, you know, look at it this way: you're getting good information from us. Definitely. So we'll try to uh, tail it down a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will. But we appreciate everybody listening. Please like and share the podcast. Again, like to thank our. Sponsors Penny America and our Olympic sponsors Sandy Bay Billards Club and Mama's Coffee House. Please like and share the podcast and share NASCAR train cards with your friends. We appreciate you spending some time with us this week, and we will see you next week.